Hey guys, welcome to Free Kicks, where we're going to recap the Gold Cup, some great uh, MLS games of the week. We're going to talk about some trades, some FIFA. I'm going to tell you about Cambridge United, and I'm going to tell you why I don't want anyone to sign Drogba in the MLS. So, I'm a... You know, for I was I'm kind of a ubiquitous ubiquitous. I'm kind of a liquid. For a long time, I've been a very ambiguous lover of the Premier League. I, I've loved the game so much that I've never really picked up a team to follow. Uh, until just recently, I realized that I was fooling myself, and I was an Arsenal fan. Um, before that, I thought I was a Chelsea fan, and I followed them for a while, and I was interested in what they were doing. And then I realized that I really did not like them. I did not like them, especially last season, the season, you know, the past like two seasons, I've been really frustrated by them. I don't like watching them very much anymore. But the whole time I was a Chelsea fan, the other team that I always had to watch was Arsenal. And they were the team that really kind of got me watching the Premier League anyways. I, I loved um, their style of play and the players that they had, I was always drawn to. So, um, Anyways, uh, when I was a fan of Chelsea, though, I did I was I obviously watched Drogba, and I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was killer. Um, he, obviously, he has uh, an incredible work rate of getting forward and defending. He can take some extremely dangerous free kicks. He can score goals. You know, he was a great player, and I, you know, this week you you've heard rumors that there's two teams kind of trying to battle out to sign Drogba. And uh, first off, I, I, I'm not f- for sure who the teams are. I think it's rumored to be someone like Chicago and Montreal. Um, he might, you know, Montreal, if, if he was going to come to MLS, I don't think he should come. I don't want anybody to sign him. Montreal would be a much better fit for him. I Just no offense to anyone out there, but I pity anyone who comes here for Chicago they're just not in good shape right now, and I think they're really struggling. But that's besides the point. But, I, I, you know, he's definitely a great player. But the truth is he's getting up there in age. And I'm not saying if we were out back playing in the field, he wouldn't be the first guy that I picked to be on my team if I was team captain. I definitely wouldn't leave him last. But the truth is we're at a phase now where he's up there in his age. This has got to be a one-season two-season deal. Two seasons even seems like it's pushing it for me. One and a half seasons now, because we're pretty much halfway in. I don't know why you would sign him. I just cannot figure it out. He may help you. It's such a short-term thing. He may he may help you this season, maybe. He could. Not if the rest of your team is garbage. But he's not going to help you long-term because he's not going to be around. Why are we going to spend large sums of money to bring in a guy for half a season instead of investing in maybe a younger up-and-coming player prospect from Europe or, you know, someone who's a bit younger? That's the thing I keep going back to. Someone who is younger. I know this is a common complaint for people who follow MLS that would just keep pulling over the old guys that, you know, you've heard the term on, if you listen to Men in Blazers, that we're the elephant graveyard, is what people accuse us of, but Drogba is not the right choice for me, I don't know why he would come over here, 
I think it's a waste of money. Uh, he may be good for half a season, but he's just not the kind of player that I think we should be signing anymore. We need to be attracting some younger talent now. I think we're in a phase where we we shouldn't just say, "Oh, we need Drogba. We need Drogba. We don't. We don't need him. We don't need him. We don't need him." Drogba, your days are over. Your days are over, Drogba. Don't come to us. Enough about Drogba. Let's talk about what's been going on in the Gold Cup. I'm a little behind, and so let me just catch you up to speed on where we are right now. We were just in the quarterfinals, and uh, the, you know the not we just moved into the knockout stage. So the results to note here are um, just well. Let's start. Let's start one back. The last game in the group stage. Uh, that I watched was Mexico versus Trinidad, and that was a phenomenal game. So I just wanted to point out that what I've been telling all my friends all week is the team I don't want to play this tournament are Mexico and Trinidad. Uh, They have been really, really phenomenal, and Trinidad especially has just shown so much spirit for a team that wasn't involved um, heavily in international play, uh, if I can remember last season. But phenomenal, Mexico, phenomenal. Gio Dos Santos hurting that game, but really showing a lot of promise uh, for Trinidad. Unfortunately, the result after that in the knockout round was that Panama uh, knocked them out in in the uh, in the quarterfinals. They lost in penalty kicks to Panama again. Another good performance. Panama put in a pretty good performance against the USA as well, but in the quarterfinals, Panama beat Trinidad in penalties and one really interesting thing about this game I don't know what you believe I don't care what you believe necessarily that's not true I do care I'd be I'd love to hear about it but the Panamanian team Panamanian Panamanian the Panama they grouped up and took a little bit more time than most teams do for a pre-penalty kick meeting and the camera was on them and those guys were just praying so hard they were literally I could speculate that it was God you know I don't know but they were praying very 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 hard like guys that looked like they were almost in tears seeking some kind of divine assistance for this penalty kick shootout and they got it they got it Jaime Pineda did a fantastic job and he's a great keeper plays for LA Galaxy and uh, they're moving on to the next round. So, so they're through Panama's through the quarterfinals. Uh, Mexico, on the flip side of that, is also through with a 1-0 result over Costa Rica. I'm not going to dwell on this point that the deciding factor in this game was a penalty kick that came in stoppage time of extra time. So we're into the 120th minute. Everybody knows this. This has been the talk of the week. Was it a penalty kick or not? No, I don't think it was, but it's whatever. There's contact there in the box. It's I've seen worse given, so I don't I don't know. I'm not going to get involved with that. My whole point is if you lose the game like that in the last minute on a bad call from the ref, you can't do anything about that. The whole point of playing a game and having to go 120 minutes is that you've got to figure out a way to score in the first 90 minutes. That's the real problem. If you can't score in the 90 minutes the ref can make a bad call and you lose the game. That's just, unfortunately, the reality. Maybe I'm a pessimist on that, but it seems like you should have done something right in front of goal for both teams. Mexico got really lucky. Costa Rica, obviously, really unlucky on that. So 
obviously USA came out of the came out of the group stages on top. We played Cuba in the first knockout round and this was Cuba was definitely the weakest opponent in those knockout rounds. Um you had Jamaica was uh, the other team that I was worried about in there uh that I thought would win and they they won uh as they they beat Haiti. So great job by Haiti by the way for making it this final tournament. But Jamaica overcoming them in the quarterfinals. Cuba definitely the 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 weakest, no offense, opponent in the quarterfinals, but understandably because of all the drama that they've had with players leaving and passports not being ready and all that stuff. Um, but this was a good game for us because I saw this as an opportunity for us to gain confidence, to score goals, get our guys confident, and really solidify who was going to play where in the rest of this tournament and try to figure out what our best formation was. And I think Jurgen nailed it as far as the formation that we should have. Um, obviously, Josie Altador home. Uh, I think I covered this in the last podcast. I'm doing things a little bit different this time. I'm not thrilled with the first three episodes. I just kind of was trying to jump in and let it go, but I'm trying to add a little more structure for you guys. But uh, if you listen to the last episode, you don't have to. I don't think it's very good. You'll know that Josie is out, Greg Garza is out, and um, Morales is out, and they brought in Alan Gordon, who has not seen playing time yet, Demarcus Beasley, who has not seen playing time yet, and uh, Joe Corona into the squad. I think Jurgen nailed the lineup on this one. We came out and did exactly what we needed to, which some people were saying it was extraordinary. We won six to nothing. Clint Dempsey with a hat trick. The goals were phenomenal. Aaron Johansson started up top with Clint Dempsey, which was a turned out to be a really great pairing in my opinion. I won't go into detail. The result is the only thing that matters. It, the the best goal is definitely the Aaron Johansson chip in my opinion. Aaron Johansson had a beautiful goal that showed off a lot of his skill and control where he chipped the the, the Cuban goalkeeper, but I think this should have been expected. This is how a, a team of the of what I consider the USA's caliber, this is how we should be winning games at this point in the Gold Cup. Um, this is the result that we should have gotten against maybe not Panama. Panama put up a good fight, but I would say maybe some of our other opponents in the tournament. So we have a huge confidence boost. Our players looked great. D- the defense looked a lot more confident, but that's also because this is a different type of team than we've played so far. Um, so we won, and I got to watch most of the game. I was out on a date with my wife, which she must really know that I love her because I don't sacrifice watching the USA for many things, but it had just been that long since we were able to get our schedules right. So I was out on a date and thankfully she's awesome. And we went to a place to eat dinner where I could watch the game and I got to see most of the game. So that was fantastic. So great game. Go USA. Today is Tuesday, the 21st which means that tomorrow is the semifinal in Atlanta, which is where I live, I decided not to go. I went to the USA friendly against Guatemala in Nashville earlier this month, so I already blew some extra money on tickets and driving to Nashville, and I was so freaking hot and worn out after that game that I said, I think I want to watch the next game from the comfort of my own home, maybe, I don't know. And I was indifferent about if I was going to go to this game or not. And my work schedule, sometimes you get stuck on a conference call at the end of the day. 
Uh, I'm just an office worker like you guys, by the way. I'm nothing special, so I understand all your trials and tribulations. And for me, that translates to not being able to make it to the Georgia Dome at 6 o'clock because traffic would be way too bad and not being able to leave work early because you have meetings. So that's normal stuff. I feel your pain. You feel my pain. It's all good there. So the game's tomorrow. Sold out Georgia Dome, which I'm so excited about. In Nashville, there was this... 40-year-old man next to me who, for no reason, once they announced the attendance, which was like roughly 45,000 in Nashville, something like that, this dude, unprompted, for no reason, just yells, yeah, take that, Atlanta, you wouldn't get those numbers there, and I almost turned around and said, dude, what are you talking about? The USA hasn't been to Atlanta in such a long time, how do you know what numbers they're going to get there? We haven't seen the U.S. men's team play in Atlanta in... A very, very long time. A very, very, very long time. So, a total vindication to this guy because now we have 68,000 tickets sold to this uh, doubleheader for the game. I know that Mexico fans drew in some, some obviously, it's not just USA fans here because you didn't know, you know, at the time when you were buying tickets necessarily until, the, until this week. You knew that they were going to be there, but, you know, hopefully there's a huge USA support there and um, suck it to that guy and in Nashville, who said, Atlanta doesn't pull those numbers. This idiot. It's stupid. Don't be stupid. Don't be stupid like that. You had completely unprompted. No reason for it. No reason. At a, no reason. For, at a, no, no reason. No reason. So tomorrow will be USA playing Jamaica and Mexico playing Panama, which I think if you would have looked at the teams and how they were playing, that's about right. That's about what I would have predicted or expected. Panama... Panama, I guess, is they can really scrap it out. They can get some results. They're really scrappy. They're little scrapsters, but they can get the results. So that should be an interesting test for Mexico tomorrow. I think it should be a very interesting test for USA as well. Jamaica has been pretty dangerous. Our defenders are really going to have to be on it, and um, we just can't make any little mistakes. Like, we have to stay concentrated. I know this is the typical stuff to say. We have to stay concentrated. We need to pass the ball well. We don't need to give up lousy passes in the middle of the field or, you know, just not pay attention and not communicate when there's someone coming up behind you and you're Kyle Beckerman and you've got the ball and you're taking an extra touch because you think no one's there. That stuff just can't happen against Jamaica because they're pretty quick. And they've got some pretty decent players. So this should be a very interesting test. I'm excited about the game. I can't wait to wear my USA shirt tomorrow. I hope you guys feel the same. On to MLS. I don't want to spend too much time here because you can just log on to any old website and look at any of the results. And to be honest, I'm not, you know, I'm not super thrilled about any one team. And I love watching all the MLS games, but until Atlanta has a team, I'm not. I'm I'm an Orlando City fan. I don't want to talk about them this week because we've had a couple of disappointing results, especially you know losing 2-0 again this week against New York who is looking very, very good. New York Red Bulls, excuse me, I need to make sure and clarify. New York City FC probably wouldn't lose to them. Still can't get their feet off the ground completely. They keep getting a little bit of air, but not yet. So I'm not really going to spend too much time there. What I want to talk about, though, is San Jose versus LA, the California Classico. And first off, this is always a fantastic game, San Jose and LA, when they play. I think it's one of the most exciting games to watch during uh, the MLS season whenever they play. And 
the big thing for me that added the excitement this time around was Steven Gerrard. And I know some of you guys may view him as the old guy coming into MLS, whatever, whatever. I don't care. He's not as old as Drogba. Let's just put it that way. He still looks younger. He has more energy. He is still very, very good. And I think he's got a few seasons in him where he'll be able to play to, I think, a very high level of play. Premier League level of play. I don't think he's going to be a worse player for being here. He's only going to make the league better, and he's only going to be really entertaining. And let me tell you what, as far as DP debuts, my favorite word, DP, DP debuts, Gerrard's was fantastic. This was so exciting. So just to recap for you, right away, San Jose comes off to a pretty quick start and goes up 2-0. But then it just becomes the LA Galaxy thunderstorm. I cannot tell you how great it was to watch Gerard and that midfield work and see him interact with Keane. And they just slaughtered San Jose the rest of the time. I, it was unbelievable. Gerard got a goal, assists. Uh, Keane played phenomenal. Keane played such a phenomenal game, as always. The Galaxy just seems to really have been brought to life by him. And one thing I've noticed, and I'd love to hear someone else's thoughts on this, he looks taller. Gerard looks taller to me. Do we have a bunch of short people playing in the United States? Because Gerard looks taller, and to be honest, he's pretty tan. He's looking pretty tan already. His hair is all shimmery and kind of blonde. He seems to be taking well to this. And note that he was only expected to play about 60 minutes and uh, played almost a full match. He said in interviews that he was just having fun. He felt like a kid, and he was really enjoying himself. Oh, there's this great moment where there was a foul called, and somebody was getting up in his face or throwing the ball or doing something, and the camera caught Gerard, and Gerard was just laughing and joking with his team going, hey, what's his problem? And they're just smiling and laughing. And seeing that on the field is exciting to me. I love to see players who are still enjoying and playing with that much, just like free spirit, but still taking it as serious as possible. So great game. So excited to have Gerard here. I'm really excited to see what Lampard does, and I'm looking forward to seeing their first game against each other. So very exciting, very exciting, very exciting. Another MLS news, I wanted to touch on a transfer that really surprised me this week. Salt Lake traded Sabarillo to D.C. United for Luis Silva. That was a huge shock. I'm not sure. Sabarillo was such a fan favorite. And so many people got behind him. And he was phenomenal, to be honest with you. He was a great player. I really don't understand the thought behind this. It seems like he should feel pretty... Unless there was something behind the scenes where he was uncomfortable and maybe he wanted a new journey or wanted to be somewhere else. But it seems like a really strange trade because Saba was so phenomenal for Salt Lake and a historical fan favorite. He was kind of a on his way to be a club legend, to be honest, I felt like. But now he has been traded to D.C. United for Silva. I think Silva will fit into what... I, th- I think he'll fit into what Salt Lake needs a lot. I hate, you know, I hate the that that trade is so betraying to the fans because I even think that D.C. United fans probably liked Silva quite a bit. But interesting trade. Give me your thoughts on it. You guys can find me on Twitter. I'm at ELADTHEGREAT45. That's subject to change. 
that's my PlayStation Network name. I wanted to align it so that uh, if I ever Twitch, FIFA, or anything like that, you guys could find me. So, at EladTheGreat45. Please, everybody, go watch the FIFA money thing that happened this week where the dude walked up and just started throwing money in front of Sepp Blatter. MLS has an article about who that guy was. It's not really anything I would want to get into on my podcast here, but it was one of the best things I've ever seen come out of professional sports, and everyone should go watch it. Um, Just look at the news tab on anything FIFA. I guarantee you it's up there. It made so many different newsreels. Just watching this dude come up and throw fake money at Sepp Blatter and making it rain was fantastic, fantastic stuff. I want to tell you a little bit about Cambridge United FC and what I'm doing with them. I am an avid FIFA player, and what I decided to do this season is find an underdog team, quote-unquote underdog team. Let's say find a low, let me rephrase that, find a low, find a bottom-tier soccer team to get behind and take up through the ranks to champions of whatever country's league I'm in. So I chose Cambridge United FC. I chose that because I spent a few days uh, or a little bit of time in Cambridge when I was just out of high school. My school traveled to to London, and then we went outside to a few other little places, and we went to Cambridge. So I, I chose Cambridge for that reason. Not, no, no other reason. And uh, now I'm slowly, but surely, and very quickly, all at the same time, no paradox needed, no contradictions, becoming a really big fan of theirs. So I am into the, I think I'm into the summer transfer window right now with Cambridge United, and I'll try to put some clips up on YouTube, I'm going to Twitch and stream my game so you guys can come follow me on Twitch, and I'll make sure and tweet out when I'm doing that as well, but the whole goal is to take a one-star team and move them up to be the Premier League champions, UEFA League champions, the Champions League champions, you know, we're going to win it all, we're going to win it all, Um, so far, we're dominating the league, I have not lost a game in a very long time. The last game I lost was in the FA Cup against Swansea. And I think I'm a little more prepared next time around when we take on some top competition. But right now we're really cleaning house. Um, I don't know much about the players. I'm going to try to learn along the way. I may even get myself a jersey so that I can sport it around town. But right now, really digging the team. We've got highest uh, highest rating right now is a 64 oftentimes I put the 18 year old I think his name is Ryan Horn in the midfield he's a 49 but man that kid has scored some some rockets for me he's fantastic so I'll keep you updated on what's going on with uh, Cambridge United please go watch my uh, any YouTube videos I put up of Cambridge United and uh, you'll see just how hard it can be to play with guys who have pretty low skill levels according to FIFA And we'll take them up to the Premier League. So Cambridge United to the top. I'm going to leave you guys with one thought, and that's that today I was sitting at my desk. This guy next to me today, he keeps talking to me. He says, you seem like like you probably get along with hipsters well. And I I, I replied back and said, no, I'm not a hipster. I just like, you know, I like music. I like doing this. I like doing that. But I'm not a hipster. I don't dress the part. I don't really look the part. 
And so today, they were ragging on me because they were saying, well, why haven't you watched this show or whatever? And I was like, well, honestly, I spend most of my time watching soccer, which is, that can be a pretty big commitment when you have a 90-minute game and halftime and usually watching multiple games. And they said that the thing that most Americans would say, well, are you watching the Premier League? That I didn't think that was on right now. And I was like, well, yeah, but I'm watching MLS. I'm watching highlights from all over the place that I can. The J-League. I'm watching the J-League highlights and, you know, all this stuff. And and they go, really? You like soccer? And they all, I mean, it was like, if you've ever seen Really with Seth and Amy on SNL, it was like that. They spent like five minutes going, really? Really? Soccer? Really? And I was like, yes, really, come on. And my answer, which probably didn't help my cause of being picked as the office hipster, was... I've liked soccer for longer than anyone else has liked soccer that I know. I liked it before it was cool. So leave that thought there for the day because apparently now we live in a world where liking soccer makes you a hipster, which I think is absolutely absurd and probably far from the truth. So this has been Free Kicks. Thank you guys for joining me. Have a good one.